Welcome to another episode of It's a Long Beach Thing, where we bring on guests and we talk about this beautiful city we call Long Beach. And now, here's your host, motivational coach, Paul Fortune. Welcome to It's a Long Beach Thing. Be sure to... uh, Join our Facebook group. It's a Long Beach thing for upcoming activities and subscribe to the podcast. It's a Long Beach thing. So you don't miss an episode. Mary Bell Farina, how are you today? I'm good, Paul. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm excited to have you on. I'm I'm so glad you wanted to come on. So let's get into it a little bit. What is your connection with Long Beach? Um, I was born and raised in Long Beach. In fact, I was born at uh, Long Beach Community Hospital. Oh, right, right on, right on. So did you go to school uh, in Long Beach or? I did, actually. I went to, um, I lived just north of the traffic circle. I grew up there until I was about 11 or 12 years old. So I went to Bixby Elementary, which was is right next to Our Lady of Refuge and after that, I went to Buffum Elementary and middle school was at DeMille Middle School. So, yeah, all in and around Long Beach, Long Beach Unified School District. I, I just love it so much. It was it was a good all, all the schools I went to. I loved made so many friends. Some of them I'm still friends with today. Um, it was just a really cool city to grow up in. Right on. Now, DeMille, is that now McBride High School? It is. Yeah, I was going to mention that it is McBride. And funny enough, I actually live right around the corner from it. So I I got to see it change. And it was a little, uh, (laughs) a little bit of a shock, because I was like, wait, where's my childhood going? (laughs) How long ago was that? Did they make the change to uh, McBride from the mill? Well, you know, because of COVID, it's hard to gauge. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if I was going to guess, I would say maybe about four years ago. But oh, wow, it's fairly new. Yeah, it is really new. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Because that school, I, I heard that it's a more engineering uh, and science math based than anything else. Right. That's what I heard, too. It was more of like a trade school, um, which sounds like an intriguing idea to me. But I mean, when I went, it was just all general education, what you would normally expect in a middle school. Absolutely. So that's on Studebaker and uh, Carson, right? Yes, exactly. So then uh, that took you over to Lakewood, right? That you went to Lakewood High? I did go to Lakewood High. Um, When I was about 12, we we actually moved out of Long Beach into Artesia. And I insisted that I continue going to, this was when I was in my DeMille years. Uh And I insisted on staying in that same school. So I had to get inter-district transfers to do so. Um, At the time, I was in the ATM program. So they allowed it because of that reason. And um, that what, is was the also, ATM, what is the ATM the, program? It was the Applied Technology Magnet Program. It was like very uh, science and technology driven, uh, lots of computer use. But uh, that was the reason why I was able to go to Lakewood High, too. I just wanted to hang out still with my friends that I had made. So it was not going to any of the schools in the ABC district. No offense to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you weren't you weren't from the area, so I can understand yeah. that. Especially, that's a hard age to transfer schools to a, a, a new area where you don't know anybody you're becoming a teenager you know right. it's it's a, it's a tough age everybody has their click so it, it would be tough to go to to another school district without having your friends to back you 
Yeah, hard enough to go to high school as it is, but let alone without your crew with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you you had a great uh, high school experience. You met your uh, husband now. I did. Yeah, we're high school sweethearts, but it was something in the Lakewood water because I have over time met so many of uh, Lakewood High couples that are still together. So awesome. <laughs> in different classes, two classes younger than me, classes older than me. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm very fortunate. He's He's an awesome guy. Right on. So you, you go to Lakewood and then uh, what happens after Lakewood High? After Lakewood High, I went to Long Beach City College. Um, originally, the plan was to do what a lot of people do, which is spend a couple of years at City College and then transfer to Cal State Long Beach. Um, but after two years there, I ended up switching majors. I started mm -hmm. as an English lit major because I just loved anything anything literature, anything Shakespeare. I thought I wanted to be an English professor. Um, I had one class that just stripped me down oh, no. and made me realize that professor was, uh, he was a hard ass. Oh no. <laughs> uh, so it kind of gave me uh, a reason to sort of look at my life and decide if I wanted to take another path. And I'd always been interested in photography, but afraid to try it. Funny enough, because I had a friend who took the first photography class, intro to photography. And she told, she kind of scared me off of it. It's really hard. It's really expensive with all the materials. I don't know, man. It's, it seems like a bad choice, but I, I just took the leap and I fell in love with it. And I took every single photography class that Long Beach City College offered minus two classes that were offered in the summer only Monday through Friday. And at that point I already had a job. So I was unable to take those two, but um, you know, from Long Beach City College, just started as a working photographer, just went right into it. <laughs> you know, I, I've taken photography classes myself and um, thinking, not knowing anything about photography, going, oh, this is going to be easy. <laughs> and I get in and they're telling me, like, you take a picture with this background, with this and this and this. And I'm like, OK, I got it. And then the professor's like, this is junk. This is junk. And I'm like, man, I don't know what to do here. The, it became harder than I thought with the with the different colors that you're supposed to use, the different backgrounds. Right. There's a lot to it. It's not just taking a picture. And I also know that as a photographer, you guys take hundreds and hundreds of pictures and probably use two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of us probably shoot a lot less because they're better at it but I, uh, I'm kind of a machine gun trigger finger sometimes uh, I really just want to catch the moment and you know there's still some skill in there but you, sometimes you do have to just kind of uh hope and pray uh it's good to have options let's just say that <laughs> yeah and I would imagine that's a tough industry to break in and to, to make a living on. Uh, I would think you, I think you, you can't, you gotta, you can't be an amateur making, making a living in photography. You got to really know what you're doing. So um, obviously you had to dig in and, and really learn the craft to make a living out of it, out of, out of college, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to get a job at a photo lab in Belmont Shore that was a very established lab. Um, so I was doing all, everything on the printing side. This was in the film days still. Uh, digital photography was just like a rumor we would talk about at the photo lab. Um, <laughs> so we got to see a lot of, uh, you know, the Long Beach area's finest wedding photographers and event and portrait photographers. And they would bring in their roles and we would process and print them. And through that job, um, you know, I would meet those photographers at the counter and had a rapport with them and just 
you know, one day one of them asked me like, hey, would you ever want to assist me? I shoot weddings. I need someone to, you know, help with my bag and my gear. And maybe you could take some photos. And, you know, one thing led to another. And uh, at one point, I think I was assisting like five different photographers in various forms of photography, mostly wedding photographers. Um, And, you know, from there you learn. You have to learn from your peers. They teach you a lot about the business end. And, uh, you know, um, I started with weddings. So how a wedding day runs from start to finish and what clients expect from that, um, you, you know, it really was the best schooling that I had was being an assistant, uh, to so many talented local photographers. That's a a really good lesson that you you learned at a a young age was you got to do it. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. so often, especially in photography. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of students out there going, I want the perfect opportunity. I got to do this. I got to do that. And sometimes you just got to jump in the pool and start swimming if you really want to do it. Wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It works like that with every facet of photography. Um, You're never going to learn how to properly expose if you don't go out there and shoot something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Even with the editing side, if you want to learn Photoshop, if you want to learn Lightroom, it helps to watch tutorials or read books about it. But really, as soon as you dive into it and start using things and seeing what they do and how they affect your photos, that's the only way that you're going to learn. Absolutely. So when you start becoming an assistant to five different, uh, wedding photographers did you start taking gigs on your own then after that or yeah after that um, it always starts off with people in your inner circle so friends maybe family members they know that you're taking classes and that you're interested so hey do you want to shoot um this you know can i can i get some photos of my family or um you know any graduation photos or a close friend was my very first wedding that i shot at the evel club in long beach and it's funny because where's that at um you know what? The streets elude me right now, okay. but it is a bit of a landmark in Long Beach. So yeah. it's kind of funny that I don't remember where it's at, uh, which is another thing I actually love about Long Beach. It's so big <laughs> yeah. and there's always something to discover. It's so called the E-Bell? Yeah, the E-Bell. E-B-E-L-L. The E-Bell oh, Club. I've never heard of it. Yeah, look it up. It's actually yeah. a beautiful venue uh, for events or weddings. Oh, great, great. I'm sorry. I, I interrupted you. You're going to... Uh... We're saying something about the event or. Yeah, so uh, that was my first wedding that I ever shot. Um, But I was going to tell you, funny enough, my friend was pregnant with her first son at the time. So he's uh, 15 now. So I was able to gauge like my wedding photography career through her son. (laughs) My husband even said the other day, oh, that's funny because that's how long you've been shooting weddings. (laughs) It's Uh been 15 years. (laughs) That's cool. So how did it go? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I look back and I cringe, but she tells me that she loved them and she still loves them. So that's all that matters. Right. Uh, We're our worst critics as artists. I mean, I would hope you would be because that's the only way you can improve if you're a critic of your own work. Um, But as long as my clients are happy, which is usually the case, then I did a good job. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with you that, you you know, you've got to be hard on yourself, but hopefully you can enjoy and say, oh, man, that was phenomenal picture I took there. Hopefully oh, yeah. you can look uh, back at some of the stuff that you did and go, oh man, I give myself a pat on the back on that, yeah. on that picture. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Every now and then I will go, oh, I crushed it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, so you started building from there. You, you had that, you had that gig and then maybe word of mouth at the wedding and. Oh, hundred percent. It's been a hundred percent word of mouth for me. 
I've luckily never had to advertise. So it's just one happy client telling another potential happy client, Hey, she's really great. We loved her photos, you know, fast turnaround time, good edits, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, one thing leads to another and, and you're shooting all kinds of different things. Like there's a lot of photographers that specialize in, and in different fields of photography. So they might specifically just do weddings, specifically just do portraits or events or landscape, what have you. But I have always prided myself in being a, a jack of all trades. I all, I wanted to try everything and see if I loved one thing over the other. And I kind of just love every part of photography. So whatever you want me to shoot, I'm more than willing to try to a certain degree. <laughs> Gotta have limits. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they ask you to take pictures while they're skydiving, are you, are you down for that? Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, I, I actually think I would try because oh, I've right always on. wanted to skydive and I'm a little bit of a thrill seeker. I mean, I do like high roller coasters, so let's, <laughs> let's go for it. Right. Right on. Right on. <laughs> I would just worry about like, if you're skydiving, I, I would worry about lo uh, losing the camera, but I uh, guess the gravity would keep it with, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like would I would have it. to tether it to my, my wrist. Yeah. Like, even if I drop it, it's not going anywhere too far. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There needs to be a catch for that. A hundred percent. I'm sure there, I'm sure there is. Cause I see, you know, people doing it all the time. Oh, so yeah. I'm sure there's technology for it. Right. But back to weddings a minute, because I would think that sometimes weddings could be very stressful because uh, you know, the bride and the groom, they could be on edge and uh, the, and the photos are the things that they remember the most, right? Those are the memories caught. So right. there, I'm sure there's a little bit of pressure on you going, man, I, I got to capture these moments and, and uh, I can't mess up because the moment's gone if right. I don't capture it. Yeah, hundred percent. Like in the beginning, for sure, it's the most nerve wracking thing in the world because there's no redos. If you miss the first kiss at the altar, you can't ask them to go back up there. I mean, maybe you can, but that you look like a crazy person. Yeah. Why are they paying you? Right. <laughs> but um, after a while you get comfortable with it and you get confident in yourself. And now I tell my clients, it's like riding a bike. Mm -hmm. Every wedding day is special. And that's not to diminish that, but I'm very comfortable in that scenario. Yeah. And I think that that sense of ease translates to them it's a really stressful day for a bride and groom and everyone involved. And I think just knowing that your photographer is confident and gives you that feeling like they've got this, they know what they're doing. That takes one less stress off of their plate, which is huge. I would imagine. So now when you first started 15 years ago, I'm, I imagine that you were doing film and digital or, and now you're probably only doing digital, right? I'm, yeah. Or do you do a little film there? Oh, funny that you asked that. Um, okay, so the weddings I have been doing for 15 years, but I've been shooting closer to 18. Mm -hmm. When I first started, I um, was shooting concerts for the Grunion Gazette in Long Beach. Oh, right uh, on. So it was basically one of those things where uh, a band that I loved was coming to, say, the Long Beach Arena. And oh, okay. I would just ask the editor, hey, do you need a photographer? Can I go cover that show for you? And he would say, yeah. And every now and then would publish the photos. So that was exciting. But <clears throat> when I first started, that was all on film. And if you know anything about concerts, it's super dark. It's only available light. It's a photographer's nightmare. Typically they get so scared because, you know, the main thing you need is light yeah. and shooting on film. You can't, there was no digital. You can't see what you shot. You just have to pray that your roles came out and your exposures are great. 
So it was a really good trial by fire um, to learn how to properly expose on film in a dark club shooting a band. Um, it was also really good study for shooting people later. Um, I have a tendency to get really good candid photos and I really do um, equate that to shooting a band because, you know, there's somebody on stage, say it's like the who or something. I can't tell them, you know, Hey, Pete Townsend, can you move over to the left or can you turn <laughs> this way? No, you got to be ready for him. Right. So you're, it's kind of a dance that you have with them. You're following his movement, snap, you know, following snap. So because of that, I get really good candidates and funny enough, it, it, it does translate into weddings to, you know, ceremony, same thing. I can't ask them to move to the side or turn your face this way. No, you got to work around that. Um, and I eventually did shift into digital. Um, I believe it was about 2005, 2005, uh, was the switch to digital. So I had, would only pick up the film camera, camera every now and then for fun, just for myself, a personal project. But I have to tell you, I think it's been about 10 years that I haven't shot film. Um, and I literally on Mother's Day, grabbed my film camera, threw a roll of black and white in there and took some portraits of my mom because I I've missed it. Yeah. And I still deal a lot with film and film shooters. So it, I, I'm really excited about this because I think that it'll allow me to slow down mm -hmm. and really think about each shot. Just take a breath, compose, get it exposed properly, shoot. So there's not going to be a lot of machine gun trigger that I'm used to, but I think it'll really help with the digital side too. I love that. There's two lessons that I learned from you there. First off, you went to a newspaper, the Grunion Gazette, and asked if you could shoot. You know, you, you probably weren't paid for that, right? You were just looking for some experience. And plus, right. you like the band, you want to see it. And, and, I, and I think that is great for somebody trying to break into photography is doing that, is knocking on doors and say, hey, look at I know I may not get paid on this, but I love the exposure of, of uh, shooting some pictures. Would you be willing to let me do it? And, you know, if they use it, they don't use it, but you're, you're gaining experience. So I love that aspect. And number two is you talked about going back to film because you really got to use your skills more so than digital because you can't see what you shot right away. Right, right. So, um, so you really got to really think about those shots and think about the exposure and think about everything like that. And like you said, that makes you a better photographer. So those are two lessons for uh, people that are trying to break into to the business is knock on doors. Oh, 100%. If you want to do it, knock on doors. Nobody's coming to save you. Nobody's going to give you the opportunity. You got to make your, your own opportunities happen. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, 100%. And I'm so glad that you touched on that because although it was a photographer that came to me when I was at the lab so many years ago and asked if I wanted to assist everyone else after that, I approached them. I saw their work. I admired it. I wanted to be more like Mike, right? <laughs> so I asked them if they needed an assistant, you know, the Grenian thing. I, I asked the editor, Harry at the time, can I go shoot? And no, I wasn't paid but the experience was worth its weight in gold. It was, you know, the best seat in the house to one of your favorite bands. And then just having that education, that, that ability to, um, you know, be put in an uncomfortable situation where you weren't sure how the photos were going to turn out, but you live and you learn. Absolutely. And what band was it? Do you remember? The very first one? Uh-huh. 
the very first one was System of a Down. Oh, with wow. Okay. Mars Volta at the Long Beach Arena. And I remember um, the opening band, Mars Volta, their lighting was so dark. Oh, <laughs> it no. Was insanely dark, like barely any stage lighting. So, yeah, a lot of very cool looking silhouette shots. <laughs> But not necessarily something that would work for being published in a paper. <laughs> yeah. But but you got creative. You had to get creative there, didn't you? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I am kind of uh, jumping in on the film bandwagon right now because um, it, 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 I don't know, I guess unless you're not a shooter, some people might not realize that because of the pandemic, there's an influx of uh, a whole generation of kids, usually in their 20s that are really into anything analog now and uh film 35 millimeter film medium format 120 film is a big thing with them they're even getting into it on the video side eight millimeter film which is so wild to me because it's like something our grandparents used to shoot on uh-huh. um but anything analog has made a huge comeback and there's just something so magical about shooting on film and you know, a lesson in patience too, having to yeah. wait for the lab to process your role and scan the film and then email you your scans. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty magical. Like it, I feel like I, I did back in the darkroom days, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that things come back like vinyl huge, Yeah. Uh, d- different things come back and, and, and good things come back because there, there, you're right. There is something magical. I love watching things on film like movies right. on film I, right. there's something about that uh that grain that, that sometimes with with digital it's too perfect and, and i love kind of that grain look to it absolutely so i love that th- that those are coming back and i love that the kids are are going to it because um that that way it doesn't die you know what i mean because for a while especially when digital really started to blow up right there wasn't any there wasn't any film going on i remember i remember as a kid and i'm sure you had it too was those disposable cameras that you get with the film absolutely yeah and then now i don't i don't i mean i i haven't seen that in years they still have them i promise you because i actually work a couple of days a week at uh tuttle cameras in long beach which is another long beach staple i'm so lucky to have worked for two like Long Beach staple businesses in the camera and film industry. Um, but yeah, disposable cameras are still alive and well. They still get purchased. Um, we just got a bunch of Fuji cameras in case you want some. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, absolutely. Anything film and analog. And you're right. It's funny how uh, people really appreciate the imperfections in those things. Like with uh, with vinyl, I always hear people say it's all about those pops. Yeah. Pops in the music, right? Uh, with film, it's all about the film grain and, and it's okay that things aren't like perfectly tack sharp. And that's the thing with digital. Uh, it's, it's sometimes a little too perfect, yeah. you know, people prefer getting their portraits done on film. Cause it's got, you know, it's not, you can't see every detail and sometimes we don't want to be captured with every detail. <laughs> yeah. And uh, going back to Tuttle, that's on, uh, Carson, uh, and is that Carson and Woodruff or Carson, Carson and, and Bellflower? Bellflower. Yeah, Carson and we're, Bellflower. Uh, right between Bellflower and Viking Way. So if yeah. you know those little like Viking Way shops there. Right. Yeah, Cervello's area. as a kid was one of my yep. favorite pizza places. I don't know if it's still there or not, it's, but I love Cervello's. The sign is still there, but unfortunately the business is closed down. Ah, yeah. yeah. There's also a great uh, diner down that way too called Village, Village Cafe. Cafe. I, I love, love the Village, Village Cafe. Cafe. <laughs> 
<laughs> I do too. It's funny because now uh, the waitresses know me because I order lunch there kind of frequently. Uh, but it, it's, on it your lunch break nice, there? Yeah, sometimes I'll go on lunch break there, but it's always nice to have a business like that where you walk in, they recognize you and they, hey, how are you doing? You know, makes you feel like you're at home. But Village Cafe is awesome. Yeah, two thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so they're so fast in there, right? You go yeah, in there, um, boop, boop, food comes out, boop, yeah. boop, boop, you get your bill. I mean, so yeah. if you're on the run, that's the best place to go. Oh, absolutely. They have a wonderful staff there and the food is just excellent. I just, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, going back to the, going back to the, to the film and the, and the uh, analog, I think that is, I think that is great. And I think that um, it, like I said before, it doesn't die. I mean, it keeps right. going on generation and generation. And I think that that's cool. That these kids are getting into it. And I hope that they offer uh, classes like that at, at Long Beach City College, because I think that's kind of a, a cool thing. And I think, like you said, it makes you a better photographer. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think uh, if, you know, there are still classes at City College, I think like Sarita's College in the surrounding areas too. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's been really fun to see people excited about it. And it's kind of like fashion where it's one of those things where the really good things are always cyclical, right? It's always going to come back around. Um, you know, they're really into the point and shoot film cameras again. Like everybody had one of those growing up. And you probably tossed it, but it's funny how in today's market, you could probably resell one in working excellent condition for a good amount of money. Like maybe yeah. about as much as you paid when you first bought it, which is unheard of for used gear. Yeah. And, and somebody like you, that's a, a photo buff, you, you would pay big money for it because you know the value of the camera. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. The point and shoot cameras, not so much. I mean, those are really fun. You just pop in the film and the camera does all the work for you. Yeah. But, you know, uh, like a good, like a Canon AE1 program where you have the ability to adjust your settings in manual mode, like something like that is, it's all mechanical. So it's always going to be around. Mm -hmm. So let's take me to the point where there was a point in your, your career where you really took the training wheels off. You were at uh, Fromax or whatever, and uh, you decided to go out on your own. I mean, that had to have been scary. Talk about what you did to become a full-time photographer at that point. Well, honest, if I'm being completely honest, I never was 100% full-time. Mm. I worked part-time at the lab, and I would shoot, I guess, technically part-time on my days off. I was lucky enough to get weekends off because that's when most wedding photographers are working is on the weekends. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I stayed wasn't so much about the fear of taking off the training wheels, but I really enjoyed being on that back end of the photo world. Mm. So, you know, most people just see the front end, you shoot it and you edit it. And perhaps you send it to a lab to print a photo. But I really like that last point, the lab printing the photo, bringing the images to life, doing what you can to make it look its absolute best and to make the customer happy. And there's so many different ways that you can print and use your digital photos, your film photos that I think a lot of people don't realize. So I was really excited to be a part of that industry. Um, I mean, you can put a photo on anything. You can put it on a mug. You can put it on coasters. You can put them on cutting boards mm. for your kitchen, uh, <laughs> calendars. Like it's it's a really cool industry. Uh -huh. um, so it's just neat to be able to see what else can happen with these photos. What happens after you shoot them? It was like art class every day for you. 
Yeah, yeah, it really was. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the, but yeah, but now um, I know you work a little bit with Tuttle, but now you, you don't, you're, you're on your own for all, all of it. So talk about what you did to market yourself to get you to that next level. Um, I still am just on word of mouth, truly. Mm. I, I know it sounds terrible and I'm really the worst example of this because you absolutely should be doing your marketing or hire somebody who's good at it to do it for you. Um, But I really have enjoyed my career being completely word of mouth. I think I've never had like a bridezilla because it's always, you know, my clients feel like they could be friends of mine. If I had Mm. met them outside of the context of being their wedding photographer or their portrait photographer, I would want to hang out with these people. (laughs) And those kind of people sort of surround themselves with the same kind of cool people. (laughs) So I never, yeah, I've never had a need. I'll go on Instagram every now and then. I'm terrible at updating my business page, but I'll throw up a photo or two. I truly don't believe that that's how people get a lot of business is through social media. I just don't. Um, It's never really done anything for me. I kind of treat it more as an online portfolio besides my website and just a little insight into who I am personally behind the photos and the camera. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, I've just been trying to keep busy doing new things. So because of the pandemic, I, we, we slowed down, the events stopped, there was no weddings. So I thought to myself, what, what facet of photography have I maybe not touched on in a long time or never really tried that I've always been interested in? And uh, studio photography came to mind. Mm. And I have an, a detached garage right in the backyard here in Lakewood. And it felt like a safe way to be able to take portraits of people um, you know, following COVID restrictions. I could keep more than six feet apart. It's technically open air, I just open up the door. Um, so I started diving into more studio photography, uh, like very corporate kind of uh, gray backdrop or a colored backdrop and, and nice lighting. And that's how I've just kind of tried to stay relevant, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's, that, that's that, no, that's cool that, uh, that you found a way during the COVID time. <clears throat> but, and also... I want to talk about energy for a second, because obviously you're sending out an energy out into the world and you're receiving an energy back. And because of this energy that you're sending out, the clientele that you get are people that you want to be friends with. And it's all about what energy you're putting out into the universe. I know I'm getting a little woo woo, but I I firmly (laughs) believe that, that you're putting out an energy that how you want your clients to be and you're getting the, you're attracting those clients, which I think is a wonderful thing. And twofold, you obviously have to be very, very good at your craft because you just said to me that you really don't use social media. Uh, you get just word of mouth. If it's all about word of mouth, right. it's all because you're putting out bomb products. So right. that, that is, that is, that is also tremendous. Now I, you know, I've come from the, the coaching world I do feel that social media does help me and and oh, and, yeah. and my and my craft, but I, it's it's amazing that you would say that because I would feel like social media would be huge for you as well because social uh, social media is such a, a visual form right. and that's that's your craft is a visual form. So it's interesting that 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 you don't. I mean, I think that you if you needed to, you could do it, but I think that 
sounds like you don't need to do it because your product is so good. And now you build your base up just because of the, the word of mouth and the energy that you're putting out. Right. Um, which, which I think that twofold, I think obviously number one is because your photography is, is phenomenal, but two is, I think that it's the way you're treating your clients because I think that's huge too, because I think that you could have the best photographer in the world, but if that person is, is horrible to deal with, you'd be like, yeah, my photos are great, but I'll never use that person again because he's just a jerk or she's just a jerk. Right. A hundred percent. You, you absolutely touched on it. And I mean, I'm truly not trying to shit on social media. Sorry, (laughs) but uh, you know, and yeah, it makes sense, right? It's a photo, like Instagram is a photo driven and now video driven social media application. Hello. Like you're a photographer. That's just me. I guess in that sense, I am a little bit old school. Um, So I, there are, I'm sure it's doing wonderful things for other people. It doesn't necessarily work for me, or perhaps I haven't put the energy into it to make it work for me, but I kind of don't want to, I'm sort of happy and content and where I'm at. But yes, I was actually going to tell you, I think, and you know, not to be self-effacing, I really do think it's less about my images are so amazing. Cause they're, I mean, they're really not, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. It's all been done. A lot of photographers know how to expose uh, for flattering light on somebody and how to pose somebody properly for their shape or what have you. But the experience, the experience is everything. And I cannot tell you how many times I've walked away from a wedding or a portrait session where the client was telling me, Thank you so much. That was amazing. We cannot wait to see the photos. They are already so excited about just the experience that I've given them that we've shared together that I kind of feel like, I mean, the photos could be mediocre and I feel like they're still going to love them. It's, it's, it's not just about the photos. It's about the experience shooting it too. You want your clients to have a good time. You want them to feel amazing about themselves in front of the camera and you want them to want more, you know? So that's, I guess, in a sense, that's kind of like the wonder (laughs) that I've created. Like, I've always been really experience driven. I've assisted photographers where I felt that their approach was maybe a little bit awkward or I felt awkward or sensed awkwardness from their clients. And I just never wanted to do that. So it it is a really hard job, especially if it's somebody you've never met before. Um, If you've only had a phone conversation or, or email conversations with them to come to them and meet them at say a beach and, and just have them automatically feel comfortable enough to take a beautiful portrait in front of a camera. That's a really hard thing to do, um, but you have to. You have to make your, your clients feel completely at ease. And I just like to treat them like I'm with my best friend, you know? And I make a lot of sounds when I'm shooting. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Oh, that's beautiful right there, don't stop. Uh, so <laughs> it sounds a little weird, but it's all genuine. It's all in the moment. So I'm just like doing the word vomit thing and letting my mouth say what it will, but it always helps them. It helps them feel comfortable. And they're always like, Oh my gosh, you're so complimentary. But I tell them it's always from the heart. It's never BS. (laughs) So that experience is truly important. Do you have a story that you could share where maybe the client was really, really nervous about taking photos and, 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 
with your experience of taking photos and making them feel comfortable that you turn their experience from being very, very nervous to maybe a fun, exciting experience? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess one that would stand out, which isn't for everyone, is like I did a, a boudoir shoot, which is, you know, what saucy. is a boudoir shoot? So uh, a boudoir shoot is a uh, saucy ladies, maybe beautiful lingerie. Ah, kind of, you know it. what I mean? That yeah. kind of photo. Um, and and it was for, um, you know, a lady who is a little on the older side. So feeling super self-conscious about how she was going to photograph. But it was a gift for her partner. And, uh, you know, sometimes a little tequila helps in that situation. <laughs> and also a lot of Photoshop, too. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a fantasy. So that's the thing. Make them comfortable on, on site when you're shooting, however you have to. Tequila helps. Vodka helps. Just to loosen people up. And then being complimentary again the whole time. You look beautiful. This is amazing. He's going to love it. It's wonderful. And then, you know. A little bit of retouching never hurt anyone. So like posing and retouching, we can make you look like a different person almost, but you're beautiful how you are. So I'm not really into super heavy retouching anyway. <laughs> right so on. Not a specific client, but a specific experience for sure. So you bring, so you bring alcohol to the set right on. It's a well, party. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, if you come shoot in my studio, there's a fridge there full of some goodies. So. Oh, cool. <laughs> Right on. That's that's enticing in itself right there. I know, right? <laughs> so what are your favorite spots to uh, shoot in Long Beach? Oh, my gosh. So like one of the things that I really, really love about Long Beach is discovering new places. So you can say all day like I do. I was born and raised in Long Beach. I literally discovered a new neighborhood just this year that I had a client want to shoot in the Sleepy Hollow neighborhood that's off of Long Beach Boulevard, I believe, by Johnny Rebs. I mm. had no idea that that was over there. And it's like less than 10 streets, I think. And it dead ends. And there's maybe five houses on each street. And it is gorgeous. And wow. the light at Magic mm. Hour was magical. But man, Long Beach is just always a surprise. There's always a nook and cranny that I had never known about or never discovered. And that's what I love about the city. I didn't even learn about Belmont Shore until I got the lab job in my early 20s. Like, really? I, I had never, somehow had never gone down Second Street. Um, you know, we would, growing up, we would go to the Queen Mary, um, well, uh, I guess Shoreline. it's Love Park, right? Yeah. Love Park, you would line up there and watch the fireworks from the Queen Mary. Um, I had swam as a kid in at Mother's Beach. And I think my parents just, you know, because we lived off the traffic circle would mm. take PCH south and turn right on second and go to Mother's Beach and then exit the same way. So you could completely avoid Naples and Second Street and Belmont, Belmont Shore. So I, I always think it's wild that I didn't discover Belmont Shore until I was in my 20s. Like, it's crazy. I, I think that's crazy, too, especially living by the traffic circle. Right. You could have walked to Belmont Shore. I know, there. practically, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow, I mean, back then your parents probably would have let you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah. Oh, so Sleepy Hollow. I, I've never heard of that either. I know that area. I know Johnny Rebs. I've been to Johnny Rebs a, a few times, Long Beach Boulevard. Right. You know, the, the Bixby Knowles area 
does have a little bit of a, a mystique and a magic to it, maybe because it's a little bit older. Are we uh, going some into of the, other the urban legends Beach? right now? What's that? <laughs> I said, are we about to go into the urban legends? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we can. <laughs> yeah, they what, they what they they have that uh, little 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 uh, little people area. I don't even know that even exists or whatnot, but that's an yeah. urban legend there. Yeah, um, Igor's Alley. Uh, the Ferris Bueller house that was just like a rite of passage when we were in high school I think it was you would go in in the car and you drive over there at night and it was like in my day right you would hit those three spots in that neighborhood Um, I think it's the Los Cerritos neighborhood in Long Beach so right by Bixby Knowles right yeah, a Virginia. Well, the the uh, big oh, the Virginia, Bueller's Virginia Country Club? Club area. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think Igor's Alley. I always thought that it was close by, only like a street or two away. I could be totally wrong, but yeah, it was. I know it's not a PC. Sorry, this is what we called it in the in the nineties, Midget Town. It's Little yeah. People Town. Okay, but um, so we'd hit that first, and then you would drive by Ferris Bueller's house. And then you would go down Igor's alley and get all spooked out and then rush home because it was too much to take. <laughs> yeah. But but that I think I know that's why there's not just Ferris Bueller's house, but there's many movie shoots in that area because right. the homes are so unique Beautiful. and different. And it has yeah. that uh, that that mystique to it that that most other neighborhoods don't have. So I love the Bixby Knowles area. And, and now I'm going to have to look at the Sleepy Hollow area. So it's right by Johnny Reps, which is right next to Virginia Country Club, Bixby Knowles. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just a little further down the street. Uh, I can't remember if it was a street before or a street after Johnny Reps. And I hope the neighbors there don't kill us for, you know, publicly <laughs> outing them. I think they like how quiet it is there. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of a place to just take a nice stroll in the afternoon or to um, take some beautiful portraits, it, there's so much greenery and lushness and texture and just that golden hour light coming through the trees was just magical. I know mm. I've used that a couple of times, but Long Beach is magical. So there you go. <laughs> it is. So where's a good spot to get something to eat? Where, where's one of your, some of your favorite places? Oh, <laughs> That's a hard one. Um, well, I mean, it's technically Long Beach. I My favorite breakfast place is Dale's Diner off of Carson and Lakewood Boulevard. Um, I think we've had this conversation literally right across the street is the best Italian food in town yeah. at Vino e Cucina, right? Yep. right? Just the best. Uh, authentic, like, like my mom used to make. And we're not Italian, we're Chilean, but there's a huge Italian influence in South America and it, it's, I've never had Italian food like that. It's incredible. And I've had some, some Italian friends agree with me. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of stay closer to the Lakewood area. I feel bad. I know there's so many good eateries that I'm missing out on that are either in Belmont Shore or closer to downtown. Um, I, I did go to Lola's one time. I think it's on 4th Street. Such good Mexican food there. That was delicious. Good cocktails as well. <laughs> there's also one rides? in uh bixby knolls as well the lola's oh, that's right. You're right. there is another lola's that's yeah. Okay. yeah go to lola's there's so many lola's in long beach <laughs> yeah absolutely that's a great place i interviewed kier jones and he raved about a, a lola's yeah that's right kier yeah. kier would know for sure <laughs> yeah yeah sounds good so if if anybody wanted to work with you with the photography and then and then you also do macaroons so talk about the macaroons a little bit and then you can tell everybody where where to reach you 
Yeah. So um, they're French macarons. It's my pandemic hobby that I picked up. I needed a challenge and they are challenging to say the least. Mm. So if you've ever had a French macaron, it's like a nice, fluffy, crispy, but chewy cookie. It's so many things in once. They come in so many different flavors and colors because you can color the shells. Um, so I think I just did a Mother's Day box. So I had like um, a double chocolate, right? Chocolate buttercream with chocolate ganache in the middle. Um, I also did strawberry cheesecake where it's cheesecake buttercream with like a dollop of really delicious strawberry jam in the middle as well. I mean, the sky's the limit with those things. So um, photography wise, I mean, you can find me online. My name is Maribel Farina. Um, my website's maribelfarina.net. And then social media is always my name, Maribel Farina Photography Aww. on Facebook or Maribel Farina photo on Instagram. And, you know, I, I don't have anything set up separately for the macarons yet. Cause that's just a fun thing that I do and offer to friends and friends of friends. But if you're interested, you know, DM me on social media, or you can slide into my Gmail account, whatever you prefer. <laughs> right on. And then you have the, you have the uh, tagline. Let me shoot you. Pew, pew, pew. Let right? me shoot you. Pew, pew. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to be silly with it. And you yeah. Know, yeah. Shooting always makes you think of guns, but this is the safest gun in the world. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and you normally do like when, when I see you at events, you normally start with a, uh, like a, I don't know if you're doing an English accent or British accent. What accent are you doing when you say hello? <laughs> is that an Australian? Hello, hello. So yeah. it's kind of like a, you know, I grew up watching that movie, The Labyrinth with David Bowie. And there's a little character that says, hello. No, I said, hello. Um, so it's British. I've always been fascinated with anything British. So I try to throw out the, I think it's the worst British accent. I actually had a Brit tell me recently that it's pretty damn good. Oh, so, good. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I think when I get nervous or uncomfortable, go into a British accent, mate. Just feels very safe. <laughs> oh, right on. I, I guess it, it breaks the, uh, the tension, right? You're, you're, yeah. You're and being, I mean, I'm just. You're being, you're being friendly. You're, you know, you're joking around a bit. Yeah, I, I'm pretty silly and geeky and dorky, so it's okay if that slides out every now and then. <laughs> I can't keep the cool facade up for <laughs> Well, Mary Bell, it's been a pleasure talking to you about everything Long Beach. Uh, <laughs> fun talking about your photography, and I'm I'm hoping that some young photographers listen to what you're saying about just getting in and doing it and just going for it, because that's yeah. what it's all about, especially in your field of work. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, ask questions, ask people if you want something, the worst they're going to do is say no. And hey, uh, do what I did when I was in my early, early 20s, starting out in photography, go to Tuttle Cameras. They cater to new photographers and people that are just starting out and happy to answer all of your questions. And I'm not just saying that because I work there a couple of days now, but that's what I did when I first started. And I still remember them from the early 2000s and how helpful they were. So if you have any questions, just ask, kids. Come on out. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Thank you again for showing up and talking about photography with us. Thank you, Paul. It was super fun. I appreciate you. Right on. Till next time, it's a Long Beach thing. Thank you for tuning into It's a Long Beach thing. Please tune in next time for another great episode. Thank you and have a good rest of your day.